Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. I'm a year older, but no wiser. Um, <laughs> we, we have no idea how long this one's going to go. We, we did our prep, which was you know meticulous and hours long, and right. came up with, uh, let's talk about ASU basketball, and maybe some other stuff will shake out. Um, so the Sun Devils got swept. Which is bad. Yeah. The they need a sweep this weekend. I don't think they'll get it. Cal is terrible, but Stanford is good. Um, eh, Stanford's okay. I, I mean, Stanford's the I, kind of team that gives us problems, though, because they've got a good true, big. True. Yeah, you're right. You're. I mean, no. I mean, they beat us. They beat us there. So, uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. You know, trying to diminish Stanford, but they are a, basically a 500 team overall. So. Um, you know, it's it's one that I feel like uh, I I don't want to say I expect us to win both. Uh, you know, as though it will be easy, but I think it's a reasonable you know expectation, I guess, to put that word on it. Like you know, I mean, if if we're going to you know get into the tournament and and do it without you know needing a lot of help uh, or a lot of nerves at the end, you know, we should be able to win both of these games at home. We beat two teams who are on the one seed line. Um, yes, we did. Yeah. And yeah, we might not I, get in. <laughs> I mean, I, I still think we are, you know, reading the tea leaves and just just the, you know, the thinness, uh, if you want to use that word, of, of the middle of every conference. I, I still feel pretty good. Um, you know, now I will be worried if we, you know, would drop both this weekend. Um a little worried if we go one and one, you know, and I think, you know, the conference tournament, they could play a role in that. I mean, if we drop the first game of the conference tournament and, you know, basically go eight and 11 in conference, that would be uh, concerning, but I still think we're in decent shape in large part because of that non-conference, obviously. I mean, the conference season has not been all that impressive, but you know, you play 30 games for a reason, not just 18. And luckily our first 12 were pretty good. I'll say this. I think my hesitancy about our ability to make it and to not be just on the bubble is born out of watching this team be in a similar situation multiple times and not get in. True, true. Now, the the difference there, you know, those times, especially if you look back at 2008, which I think is the one that resonates with me the most – is we did not have a good non-conference resume at all. You know, we had a very soft non-conference schedule and those, you know, numbers, you know, RPI, strength of schedule, whatever terms you want to use, um, were not on our side. This year they are. So, you know, we have that bump that we didn't have in the past. Yeah. I mean, I think that's good, but the Pac-12 is still not a strong conference who, you know, we talked at great length about Arizona and, Maybe we'll talk later sure. about Sean Miller, but I have no idea what the tournament committee is going to do. If, if, if Aiton's still eligible, they need to be in and comfortably yeah. so. And they're going to be in the tournament, I think, unless something you know comes up over the next week or so that we don't already know, which could happen. I mean, obviously, neither one of us foresaw the, the firestorm that last Friday night brought and into Saturday. And, um, but, you know, unless something more comes out that we don't know um, – they're going to be in the tournament and then, you know, they kind of have to be, I mean, because you start going down the road of speculation, you could knock out a lot of teams, you know, that, that have been somewhat 
you know, ancillary ways tied to this story. And, um, they're not going to go that road. So, you know, yeah, I mean, they're going to be in because we can only judge based on the knowledge that we've got right now. Yeah. I do think it's interesting. It's an interesting conundrum for the NCAA now that I don't think this will be how they make those decisions, but wouldn't it be embarrassing if, you know, that column was prophetic and <laughs> half of the elite eight is, you know, or half yeah. of the sweet 16 is forfeiting these wins down the line. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that will be the case. I don't know. I mean, um, you know, as I said, when we talked on Saturday, I'm just, I'm not convinced that when it comes down to it, they will really now forfeiting wins, I suppose is really, a, it's a toothless punishment. So I suppose it could happen, but will they really hit, you know, several, if not all major programs hard with, uh, you know, sanctions. I don't see it. Um, and, and maybe that's because there'll be some, you know, actual changes in the rules and, and attitudes and, or maybe it's because they're afraid to, you know, kill the golden goose, uh, you know, of, you know, college basketball is a big deal for about four weeks from end of February to the end of March. Um, and it's a big deal in part because of blue bloods like Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina, Kansas. And, you know, if, if all or most of those programs get hit hard, it's not as interesting. Yeah. I mean, it goes to your statement last time we talked of, yeah, you know, these are, you know, these are the teams you want. You don't want a final four of all George Masons. and You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't even really want a final four of, uh, you know, let's say, you know, Arkansas and, uh, I mean, South, you know, Carolina. For us, South Carolina, you know, Arizona state. I mean, that's not what people want. We would love it. The fans of those schools would love it, but you know, on a, on a grand scale, you want those heavyweights because that's the thing that sort of, uh, still appeals to, a a sense of tradition and history. We, we, again, college basketball really isn't built around star players anymore because they come and they go before we get to know them at all. Um, and, and so they're built around the coaches and the programs, which are kind of synonymous with the coaches, you know, John Calipari in Kentucky, certainly Krzyzewski and Duke, um, you know, Izzo in Michigan state, you know, those things are kind of, you know, the, the stars that we look at. And if those guys get hit hard, you know, you lose that appeal and you, you need to have some star power. It doesn't come in the players anymore. It comes in the form of, of, you know, the name on the front of the Jersey and the coach on the sideline. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true. The interesting thing to me is would they consider staggering penalties internally, something we would never hear publicly for these schools? We Well, we've yeah. completed our investigation of schools <laughs> one, two, and three, and, and they're all banned from this year's postseason. We're still investigating schools four, five, and six. And then, yeah, then that, you know, you know, that, that would be interesting, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I mean – it's it's uh it's gonna be very interesting over a long period of time to see you know what more comes out who is associated with it how does you know how does it affect the fabric of the sport um do we have you know punishments or do we have rule changes or do we have both um i don't know you know i mean uh, right now it's all just guesswork you know we we sat here six days ago and we talked and said, you know, oh boy, there could be a lot coming out. And within 24 hours, a lot came out. So who knows, you know, I mean, and, and I, I think I said this last time, I, if I didn't, uh, you know, I, I believe it. I don't believe we've seen the last big news break of this, you know, this time of the year 
I think there will be more news that comes out in the next three weeks as the tournament unfolds that, you know, continue because this is, this is when there's an audience for it. Um, so imagine, you know, Thursday morning of the first round of the tournament, big Yahoo story that comes out and says, Oh, look at all these names associated. I think that's very possible. Yeah. It's poised for the maximum impact in these situations. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Sunday night, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon of, of the selection show, um, you know, I mean, it, that's uh, a bit cynical, but you know, people people love to break news when there is going to be the weight behind that news. And again, I say, you know, nobody cares if this comes out in December. I shouldn't say nobody, but not as much. You know, we're focused on the NFL, we're focused on college football, bowl games, playoff, whatever. Um, nobody cares if it comes out in June. But right now is the time that everybody is focused on basketball and college basketball as the brackets get close and. And a lot of people start following the sport that don't otherwise. So this is when there is a you know, great reason to put out that news. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the Laramie Tunsil gas mask video yeah. doesn't yeah. matter if it comes out in June. Yeah, you're right. Exactly, you know? yeah. The fact that it came out on the night of the first round of the draft was what made it so relevant and interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we've seen the last of – big news stories about this um you know we kind of just this broke when did it when exactly did it break before the season started right i'm trying to remember I mean, before the, the season timing. started we knew about um the indictments before of the players assistance. and the agents yeah right uh, you know and that was maybe october something around i mean it was it was maybe when we were in preseason practice but this the games hadn't started yet and then and then it was pretty much just status quo until the last you know week or so um, and that's when more news has started to come out. So I don't, I don't think that's coincidence. I think that's because, you know, there's an appetite for it right now. Now, we spent a lot of time talking about Sean Miller um, last time we did this. Uh, reports now are that the Arizona Board of Regents are meeting tomorrow and that mm-hmm. Miller's contract is a topic there. Um, there's been conflicting reports about the Forbes article. Um, I, you know, I, I had, I have, uh, an opinion about the U of A's statement. You know, I still haven't read the full contract. Um, but the fact that the U of A is saying, look, we think the intent of the parties is clear. I, I will tell you basic contract law is you go with the written word. And if the written word is unambiguous first, that's what you do with if it is sure, vague, sure, then you look yeah. at the intent of the parties. So no doubt. I mean, I you know, yeah, I, I would assume that's the case. I mean, yeah, you know, that's one of those where you say uh, our our intent was clear. Well, you know, his side may say not as clear as the words on the paper. Uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's like you know, classic law and order stuff. I mean, you know, I I doubt you're going to win that argument if the words on the paper don't back you up. Yeah, so we will certainly see how it unfolds. If the Board of Regents decides to get rid of him, I, you know, the, well, yeah, the pulse it, of the people who I talk to in Tucson, and by that I mean my brother, is that the, the expectation is he's gone. I saw, you know, yeah. Jody Ayler, who does the podcast yeah. with uh, with Doug Haller, who's a radio yeah. guy who, you know, was from, you know, a Tucson radio the guy. Tucson who's, guy, yeah. He, you know, he's suggested that, they can't bring Miller back under this climate. And I think that's probably true, but if there's a financial 
incentive and he's still going to have all these talented players. I, you know, I, John Calipari keeps getting jobs and, and he has had a, a checkered past, you know, Sean Miller, maybe, maybe this is true. Maybe it's not. He has done the smart thing, I think, by not coming out and saying one way or the other, uh, yeah. any comment about it other than that the process will vindicate him. Right. That's which, it. Yeah. which I didn't even yeah. know Joel Embiid was participating in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, now, and I hesitate to use this guy as a source because you will know better than anybody that I don't think much of him. But if you believe what Greg Hansen says, and he was on the radio up here yesterday, um, Sean Miller's not going to have the talented players next year because, according to Greg Hansen, he's just basically, you know, folded up shop and stopped recruiting in September, and they don't have it. You know, the O'Neill kid already backed off. They have, you know, the, the kid that supposedly was, the, you know, one connected to the initial story of Javon Quinterly is going to Villanova. So they only have, I think, one recruit, and that's tenuous at best because he all, all he signed was a, a you know, agreement, a financial aid agreement one. or something, basically. Yeah. So he's not bound here. Neither is O'Neal. Um, you know, so, I mean, according to Greg Hansen, the sky is falling and they're going, you know, they're going to be just awful next year because they don't have anybody coming in and they're going to have to pick off, you know, two star recruits basically in the, in the, you know, postseason period. Um, so that begs the question, you know, as you said, yeah, John Calipari keeps getting jobs because John Calipari keeps cycling in great players, um, you know, without the great players. And I, I tend to agree. I mean, to me, this is, this feels like Rick Pitino circa, you know, five months ago, we know it's over. We just don't know quite how it's going to end. Yeah, you know, I'm as an aside, I think it's worth this a point of discussion the deciding not to sign right away. Commit, mm-hmm. commit, commit, commit. The, yeah. the risk is, you know, for a three-star prospect that they'll yank your scholarship. If you don't sign, sure. they'll find somebody else. Somebody'll come free like, you know, Sharif O'Neal or right. something. But right. But if you are Sharif O'Neal or you are Quinterly or, you know, yeah. quite honestly, if, if you're as high a priority as Lou Dort is. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just don't. You, you don't, don't. I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, because otherwise that kid would, you know, then, I mean, maybe he could get out of it and be eligible right away. But then he's looking at what the Ole Miss football players are looking at, which is, you know, having to have a hearing and have it to not know your status. And yeah, I mean, it, it certainly proved to be a, a prudent decision on, on the part of uh, Jack's kid. And, you know, the other kid, I think is still committed Brandon Williams or something. I mm-hmm. think that's his name. I don't, um, but you know, to, to be able to basically, you know, get out of it if you can, you know, I'm sure he's got to be feeling pretty good about that because it, you know, took him, took him three days and he picked another college. Yeah. Bobby Hurley's got one more scholarship, just in case anyone's wondering. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, no. Let's let's uh, talk know, about Bobby though, because I, I want to yes. get into I want to get in on the fine and the oh yeah the antics. I yeah, he's my guy, and I love oh, him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But uh, somebody made this point, and I think that you and I should dig into it a little bit. If Bobby Hurley is yelling and fuming and arms behind his back and all of that as a tactic and our bigs are still getting all of these fouls called should Bobby Hurley change his on-court tactics to try to leverage and sway referees 
Yeah, and and I would say maybe, but I'm not sure. I believe it's a tactic because a tactic is something you use at times. It's it's uh, you know Phil Jackson and Pat Riley. They were geniuses at it. You know they they carpet officials in the public just when they needed something. They could manipulate, but they didn't do it all the time. Bobby Hurley does it all the time. I mean, I, and I agree with you. I like him. He's our guy. And, and, you know, so you, you know, you put your arm around your guy, you say, he's our guy, you get off his back. But, um, would I absolutely hate him if he coached, you know, somewhere else, probably anywhere else in the Pac-12? Oh yeah. I mean, he's very hateable, you know, he, if he wasn't your guy, because he is constantly whining. I mean, the, the parallels to, you know, a Mike Stoops, uh, as far as their, you know, behavior toward officials and their composure, it's pretty accurate. Now, I, I hope he turns out to be a better coach over a long haul than Mike Stoops was, but um, it's it's all the time. I mean, it starts from, you know, usually within the first the minute and 30 of the game, and it never stops until the game is over, and sometimes even after the game is over, as we saw in Corvallis. Which is why he's now $10,000 right. later. Right, right. You know, I mean... I just, I, you know, we've talked about it before. Um, I don't mind the passion at all. In fact, I like the passion. The passion is what has made this part of what's made this program interesting this year is that we have a charismatic coach who people are excited about going to see the coach. Again, what did I, what did I say 15 minutes ago? That's what's interesting about college basketball now is the coaches. He's one of them on, you know, on a smaller level than some of those other guys. But, you know, here it's a big deal. But I do wish he could rein it in at times. I do wish he could maintain a little bit more composure at times because I think, uh, you know, for example, the end of the Arizona game, and I texted you about this, you know, one of a timeout within the last, you know, minute of the game, he spent the entire timeout complaining, never once talked to the team, did zero coaching. All he did was complain. I don't like seeing that. And the Arizona game, it was jacket off, tie off, collar loosened. I mean, he just. Yeah, it just has the. Again, if you do that once in a while, then it's kind of a, you know, sort of an endearing thing. Oh, you know, look at old crazy Bobby. Well, I mean, it's like when it's like the other thing is having it in your back pocket, letting people know it's there. You know, Herb Sendek's first year when we were rough, rough. Yes. He had the, I think it was against U of A where he got ejected and he started like swinging his arms up at the crowd and. Which was very uncharacteristic for him. I right. Mean, that was not him. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it worked. You know, um, Herb was the polar opposite personality of Hurley. He was very sedate. He was very calm. He was boring. Uh, you know, uh, Hurley is not calm. And he's irritable. And he's not boring. Um, you know, so you pick your poison. And look, he's a good coach. I like him. I've liked him since he played at Duke. Uh, you know, I, I liked him as a kid when he played at Duke. I, I, uh, you know, I, I rooted for him. You know, to come back in his NBA career, it didn't work out after the you know car accident. But I've always liked him. You know, and I, I love that he's our coach. But I do wish he could maintain a little bit more composure at times. I don't know if it's going to happen though. I think this is just who he is. I think so too. Which comes to a second question. You made mention of the fact that, you know, God, you, he, we hope he's a better in-game yeah. court coach than Stoops was for U of A yeah. football. Right. Do you have concerns that this freewheeling style might be 
problematic when we just haven't adjusted and teams just slow it down and we don't really have an adjustment. We just keep trying to go faster. Yeah, not really. Um, I, I mean, that's a good point. It's it's not something I've thought about. It. You know, I I feel like so many of our losses, I mean, all nine losses have been by single digits and and fair amount have been, you know, we lost two games in overtime. I think we've lost maybe three, you know, two or three others that were, you know, basically one score with, you know, just like this Oregon State game, I mean, two-point game with, uh, you know, 30 seconds and we had the ball. So, you know, so the game was there to win. You know, you make a couple shots and you, you know, get a couple stops and all of a sudden instead of seven and nine, you're – 10 and six and we feel differently. So I, not really. I mean, you know, I, I think this team is a little bit limited. We probably got a little carried away. I think we did. I mean, I think that's fair to say with how things were going in the preseason and we started talking about, you know, could this team make the final four and how good was this? It, they were the team that we probably thought they were at the start of the year and they played above their heads to start the year. Um, but it's still a bit limited. I mean, there's, you know, is there an NBA player on this team? I'm not sure. Now that doesn't mean you can't be good, but nonetheless, I mean it's it's not like we're trotting out there a all world lineup and we're going seven and nine. We're trotting out there three seniors, which is great, but let's also be honest, three senior guards means they're not good enough to go to the NBA. They're good players, you know, and they've been good for us, but it's not like they're superstars. Well, and that was another point. I was listening to um the Sun Devil Source podcast. Yeah. And they were talking about how you know, we talk about guard you and Hurley said all three of these guys are NBA caliber. But when you really, really look at it, they're, they're not. Yeah, they're just not. The simple fact is like the bigs, while an improvement on having Cody Justice play power forward. Sure. And, and I would say because his ceiling will be far higher, White's an improvement on Obi. Although I think yes. at this stage of their careers, you know, Obi's last year and Miss Romello's first year, they're not that different. No, agreed. Different different in what they can do, but as far as, you know, uh, impact on the game, Obi Oleko is probably a better player. I mean, he had more of more of an impact because he was just more advanced. You know, he could do yeah. more than what White can do right now in his career. But that being said, one of the glaring things and it's rearing its head again with this recruiting class, unless there's one more kid or a transfer. But there's no seven footer. There's no, you know. I no. guess Daquan Lake's the closest you get, and he's a, yeah. a, he's a project, and he's honestly better than I thought he was going to be. He has been. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you hope that both of those big guys are back next year. You know, White and Lake. They should be. Um, and and you know, seven footer. I mean, it, you know, you look at obviously the impact that a guy like DeAndre Ayton can have, and yeah, but but that's pretty rare. I mean, not many teams have a player like that. There aren't that many, but, uh, but we don't most, have a wristage either. That's we don't, we know. don't know. Um, but yet it's taken. I mean, he's he's what he's senior, right? I think. I think Maybe he's. A uh, I think he's finishing up he's his medical school degree. So well, yeah. I mean, I was going to say he's been there a while. So he used to be. He used to be named Cyril Matniasko. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's what I. You know, yeah, he's he's a pretty decent player now but it's taken him a while and we've had guys like that Jordan Bashinsky was a guy like that I mean most of the time these seven footers now they're either you know very perimeter oriented or more likely they're they're stiffs they don't know how to play and and by year three or four 
maybe they learn how to play a little bit and they can be something. But, you know, the days of, of Patrick Ewing and David Robinson and Akeem Olajuwon, they're, they're gone. Uh, you know, I mean, the game has changed and guys don't play in the post anymore. Now you have seven footers like Kevin Durant or Dirk or, you know, Garnett, Giannis, you know, whatever, Embiid. They're, you know, they're almost, I mean, Embiid's kind of a throwback, but not really. I mean, he, he can step out, shoot, he can handle the ball. Game has changed a lot, so it's tough. And if you do get a seven-footer, they're there for a year. You know, if they do get a star seven-footer, they're, you know, you get them for 30 games, and then it's sayonara to the draft. True. So, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough. There's only so many of those out there. It's kind of like getting a five-star quarterback. Um, you don't get them because there's only maybe, you know, three or four a year. and So not everybody's going to get one. You have to make the best of what you have. I agree, and that, that's fair. They, they need to continue the growth. If next year sure. those two – I mean, I, I, I'm having a lot of fun playing with next year's roster in my head because I assume sure. it will be Martin – Edwards, Lawrence, Mitchell, and either Lake or White as a starting yeah, five. Probably. But and then, and you've got you Dort. And, you do. You know, and and you got Cherry. Cherry. Yeah. I mean, Cherry's a five-star recruit, you know, so that, yeah, I mean, they're, they're you know, you're going to lose some with losing three seniors, you know, and guys who, you know, two of them have been four-year guys. Um, you know, there, there's going to be a leadership void there and, There'll be some bumps without them, but it might be a more talented team. I mean, you know, again, I, I like these guys. It's not to knock them at all, but there is a likelihood that none of them will play a single minute in the NBA. And again, that's not that's not a requirement to be a great college team, but it's it's a good way to measure how much talent you've got on your team. And I don't think it would be a huge surprise if no one on this current roster played in the NBA. I mean, maybe maybe Remy Martin, maybe Romello White, but you don't look at those guys right now and say, oh yeah, they're going to the NBA. You say maybe. Maybe Kamani Lawrence, if he's healthy, he might have the game to do it. But it's it's a maybe right now. It's, there's nobody that we've got that's like that's like a DeAndre Ayton, where you say, oh man, that guy's a pro. You know, we don't, we don't no, have that there's right no now. Lottery, that's okay. There's no lottery pick on the current roster. No. There's no James Harden. I mean, we, we had one. Now, I don't think you or I, I know I didn't, I don't want to speak for you, but we've talked about it a lot, thought James Harden was ever going to be this good. But we knew he was an NBA player. You know, we knew that this guy was special. We knew he, you know, was going to have a future in basketball. Didn't think he'd be as good as he is, but still, you know, we, we, we saw it. Um, there's nobody on this roster like that right now. Now, again, maybe some of these younger guys, freshmen, you know, by – 2019 and 20 will say yeah, that guy's an NBA player but right now they're not there yeah no I think that's true I, so you know, you know it's 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 a limited roster in some ways I mean and that's not to make excuses because we're losing but it's just fact I think you know we we are the team we expected to be at the start of the year which is a, a, a bubble kind of team but because we played well early probably good enough to be on the right side of the bubble I hope so I you know I, I'm not trying to take anything away from the team or the season or Hurley's job. I no. I think that the the contract extension and the raise and all of it was good. I, I think all of the moves that they've made have been the sure. right moves. Agreed, agreed. I mean, remember where we were last year at this time and the year before at this time, and 
And I think, you know, toward the end of last year and through the off season, you and I discussed like, okay, you're free. It's time to take a step forward. It's time to be in contention for the tournament. Well, we are. And very likely, barring a, a, a you know, collapse in the last two weeks, we're going to make the tournament. And so, if, you know, that's a feel-good year when it's all said and done. Yeah, there were higher hopes after, you know, December 15th when we were ranked number three in the country and you start thinking big. But overall, you got to keep it in perspective of where this program was a year ago, what we were thinking in October. And if we can make the tournament and, you know, have the season that we had, good and bad, that's still a pretty good, you know, feather in our cap and, and something to continue to build forward on. Don't want it to be the best season he has here, but it's it's the best one he's had so far, and that's all he can do. Yeah, and next year there'll be an influx of talent. You know, like we said, yeah. there there's at least one more scholarship available. I, yeah, you know, as much Two as transfers that are sitting out, you know, that, that should yeah. be impact guys, hopefully. Plus, you know, three three recruits, right? Three guys. Every, that we've everything so far. we talked about, I, I just realized we didn't even mention Zylan Cheatham. No, we did not. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, um, yeah, so there's there's uh, bodies there. You know, there's guys returning that should get better. There's transfers that were sitting out this year that should be, you know, contributors. And then there's three freshmen who are all supposed to be pretty good coming into play. So there's enough there to be excited about um, going forward. And, again, that's what this is about. This was This was not meant to be the year that, you know, we reached the pinnacle. This was meant to be a year we took a step forward, and we, we no doubt have. I mean, regardless of what happens from here, this is a big step forward from where we were the last two years. All right, well, so let me ask you the final thing, and let's bring it back to just talking about this year. Did the difficult, bumpy integration or reintegration of Kimani Lawrence or Mickey Mitchell bother you or the way that they and Scheibel – have their minutes yanked around now? Does that bother you? Not really. I mean, it, it's going to happen. You know, you're, I mean, the Lawrence, uh, you know, both Lawrence and Mitchell were basically out of, out of, you know, anyone's hands. I mean, Mitchell was, was ineligible to start the year because of being a transfer. Lawrence got hurt. And, and that's a, what if, you know, what if Lawrence doesn't get hurt and he's part of the lineup from day one, maybe he is the, you know, a better player than he is right now. And maybe we are three or four games better in the PAC 12 with the, you know, a fully healthy and integrated Kamani Lawrence, who knows? Um, but it's tough. I mean, I think we knew that it would be tough um, to, to get Lawrence up to speed. He's a freshman and he'd never played, you know, a meaningful minute before. And now you're, now you're putting him in, in the middle of conference season. It's tough. You know, he's had a couple decent moments, but for the most part, it's been kind of a lost year for him, and that doesn't surprise me, and it doesn't necessarily worry me either. I still think he can be a really good player. He just, you know, this year probably wasn't it. What about the fluctuations of minutes and things from Hurley for these guys? Everybody, or just I, those guys, those well, particular guys? Well, the, it's the three guards. You know, you yeah. generally know what you're going to get, except. Yeah. Martin, you have games where he plays 25 minutes, and you have games where he plays, you know, six. Ten. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a bit of a feel thing. I, I don't I don't mind it. I guess I haven't I haven't found it to be something that I've been frustrated by, where it's like, man, where is this guy? I, you know, I think, you know, it goes, this is, you know, 
Eric Dickerson-like analysis, but you can only have five guys on the court at once. And so, you know, you mix and match, and some some nights, you know, you have a group of five that's playing well. You don't need to do a lot of mixing and matching, so you keep those five guys out there most of the game. I think we saw that against UCLA in the second half. It was mostly the same five. Martin didn't play much in that game. Mitchell didn't play a lot in that game. Yeah, um, I, I suppose then other nights you have to mix it up more. I suppose it's different from the pro game in that, you know, there aren't the you play the first eight minutes and then you are going to sit for six minutes and that's just how right. it's going to be. You know, it, it is a lot more feel in the college game. It's and, different. And Hurley and, and the, certainly, you know, the foul trouble element of college basketball is something that is different than the pros. I mean, guys don't, guys don't normally get into heavy foul trouble. They get six fouls compared to five, obviously. Um, but you just don't see that as much. And, you know, you get a big man who gets two fouls in the first five minutes. That changes your whole rotation for the rest of the first half. So, uh, you know, it's it's more of a element that I think wrinkles up college basketball at times. Yeah, especially when you have three guys who are six, eight or taller, and all of them have four yeah, exactly. or more yeah. fouls. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's tough, but then you got to – then you've got to mix and match, and you got to play guys more minutes than you want or less minutes than you want, depending on, you know, who the guys are. So I haven't been bothered by it, no. I mean, you know, uh, is it perfect? No. I mean, nobody is, and I'm sure, you know, Bobby Hurley knows there's things he could do better and, and things he'll try to do better going forward as far as minutes and, you know, getting guys in and out. But uh, it hasn't been something that's bothered me, has it for you? I've just been thinking about it more. Just you know, uh, the foul trouble I think is part of the problem, and, and uh, you know, I don't really have a problem with the reintegration of Lawrence. And honestly, because of the kind of injury he had and the way it went down, right? I think that it was only natural to expect that he'll have some games where he's playing two minutes and some games where he's playing twenty-five because he's yeah. in a rhythm and you just don't need to sit him. Um. The foul trouble to me is a concern. I think it's, you know, we talk about the three senior guards, the three senior guards. All of the bigs are in their first year playing for us. Every right. one of they them. Are. And I think they that are. that's part of the issue is, you know, trying to figure out the guys and what they can and can't do and what they can and can't not turn on. I mean, yeah. like, I think, uh, you know, next year I would hope to see a lot of, aggressive defensive lineups with Mitchell and Martin on the floor sure. because I think sure. that they both bring that level of intensity that the play Mitchell made where he anticipated a pass and, and cut it off and, you know, sprinted the length of the floor for the dunk a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Really showed like he's a heady player. He's not afraid to mix it up. But the, the problem with that, especially when, you know, Lawrence is an iffy proposition and there's not really, much trust in Scheibel, clearly. Yeah, no. um, Is that Mitchell picks up fouls because he plays that way. He does, he does. And so does Romello White. I mean, there's been too many games in Pac-12 play that Romello White's been in foul trouble, which either takes him off the court or makes him not as valuable when he is on the court. Um, you know, the, the foul at the end of the Oregon State game was a foul. I, I mean, Bobby Hurley got really mad about it and, you know, got so mad that he you know, chase down the ref, but it was a foul. He, he did not play good defense. He leaned into the guy. It's a good call, and, and it was a play you just don't need to make. I mean, and I'm an ASU fan. I was rooting for ASU, and 
that always colors your perception. But even I thought it's a foul. Like I don't, I don't know what he was doing. It was bad defense. Yeah, and I just think that there's going to need to be some significant improvement there. I agree. Yeah, I mean, he has had a he's had probably a typical freshman year. He had some nice moments early. Uh, he hasn't gone in the tank, but he's seen his play level off. He's had trouble with fouls. He's had trouble with you know having games where he's you know no impact on offense. That's oftentimes what happens with freshmen, you know, for the most part. And he's had that kind of year. Uh, again, nothing that really makes me think long term. He's a worry i still feel pretty good about what he could do but he's had you know and that's kind of been the weird thing about this year while we have the three senior guards beyond them we're incredibly inexperienced i mean you know everybody else i think this might be the case everybody else is in their first year playing college basketball besides the three seniors that we started am i I missing somebody uh Uh, division one basketball yeah i mean mitchell played a handful of games at ohio state State. yeah but that's that's it you know i mean yeah lake was juco white was like was a juco white sat out last year so he's basically a redshirt freshman shibble's a true freshman shibble's a redshirt freshman lawrence is a true freshman um so that's you know yeah i mean you you have three very experienced guys and then nothing else and you've seen you know some leveling off because of that i think uh, you know it's it's probably to be expected in some ways again you point to you know the roster played above its head early and things level off uh, you know teams get a read on what you do well they start to take things away from you as they've scouted you and and uh, then it comes down to talent and we have some talent we're not we're not empty in the cupboard like we have been in the past but we don't have a lot of great talent. We've got, you know, some intriguing long-term guys, some nice veterans who are good but not great, and what it adds up to is about a 500 conference season. Yeah. And if we win these two... <laughs> That's where we would be. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we we absolutely must have the game on Thursday night. Um, that is a... Uh, a non, you know, that that's a loss that will throw everything that I've said and that you've said into an uproar if you lose that game Thursday. Now you're looking at having to beat Stanford and having to probably win a game or two in the conference tournament to get that taste out of everybody's mouth of dropping a game to the last place team. So win the game Thursday, hopefully win the game Saturday, and then the Pac-12 tournament becomes mostly meaningless as far as getting in the tournament. I mean, you know, maybe you can help your seeding a little but I think you probably feel pretty good you're already in. Yeah, hopefully that's how it goes. Um, we'll see. We'll find out in, uh, what, 11 days? Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to turn off the recording yet because usually I share this stuff off the record, but I'm going to do this because, honestly, I, I think the guy might be a little bit uh, nuts, so I, I'd like there to be some sort of record of this interaction I had with the guy. Um, so my, my downstairs neighbor in my building is a a pretty intense dude. And there was a general thought that was shared with me at some point last fall, uh, my power got shut off in my building, in my, not my building, but my unit. And, and it happened twice. It happened once and they turned it back on. And then the second time it happened, they had, it had been turned off and somebody had put a padlock on the switch so that it couldn't be flipped. I recall that, yes. So 
everyone told me that it was probably this guy, but there wasn't enough proof and blah, blah, blah. So Friday, I had some people over and we were just hanging out, uh, playing some games. And it it was about nine o'clock on a Friday night, but it was a little loud. And the dude from downstairs who I'd never met before knocks on the door really aggressively, really loudly. So I open it and he's all miffed about the world in which we live and, uh, and the fact that everyone's being loud. And so I try to calm the situation down and sort of raise the idea that he turned off my power and we had never met before. So, uh, I, you know, I introduced myself to him and shook his hand and I think I kind of threw him a little bit. Um, so then uh, anyway, we were quiet, we quieted down, we went to a different place, but I still got a call from the front desk afterwards that he had gone down there to complain. And and so it's a little off putting. It's a little unnerving. The guy's nuts, I think. Um, so then I, am trying to block it out, not think too much about it. And today I get off the elevator at about mm, six o'clock and I see this guy, same guy, just lurking about on my floor, not in anyone's unit, just sort of lurking about. Uh, and so I said, Oh, Hey, yeah, you, you're the guy who shot my power. What are you doing here? And he's like, I didn't, I, okay. That's the second time you said that I didn't shut off your power, which he didn't deny earlier. Uh, yeah. but then he's like, I heard some hammering and some construction. And I was like, well, clearly it's not me since you are seeing me walk in. He's like, well, I also noticed that it was dark underneath your door. So I assumed it was not you once I got up here, but I didn't know that until five minutes ago when I got here, which meant he was on the floor for five minutes before I got there. And so, yeah, I guess. so I go and, and, and there's no noise. There's no hammering. I mean, it's whatever's going on in his head and what's going on in the real world are two different things entirely, it appears. Um, but he, so I tried to engage him in a calm way because I'm like a little anxious about the whole, his whole existence really is just upsetting to me. Uh-huh. Um, but so I'm trying to engage him and say, look, I, I don't want us to have a problem, but it seems like you have a problem with me. And he's like, well, you, you are constantly doing construction and being loud and hammering things at all hours. And, and I was like, I, I'm absolutely not. I had a week where I did construction a couple months ago. Right. Um, but otherwise, no, it's me and a dog and, and a pretty quiet dog clearly since we're out here talking and he's not barking. Yeah. Um, you know, and he went off on the conspiracy theory to end all conspiracy theories. Our building had a, a, a small-time drug house on his floor, he said. But the owners of the property who were renting it to the drug dealers, who he had to point out to me were not Americans, um, the owners of the property pay off our condo board with Packers tickets and Bucks tickets and money <laughs> – to look the other way, and the and the Milwaukee police also agree that that must be what's happening. Um, and he's like rocking while he's talking to me, like standing there, like yeah. going full Leo Mazzoni rocking. Uh-huh. Um, and he's getting very anxious and talking about how this building is, is terrible. And he he ha- I asked him, you know, well, are you planning on leaving since it's so terrible? Because he had told me he's been here twelve years, and it's yeah. you know this board is filled with crooks and blah blah blah. And, and there's like the, the star tenants and then there's the uh-huh. second class people and he's proudly a second class person in this building. And, yeah. and he's like, well, I have some personal things I have to address and take care of, but as soon, you know, like getting a new car. But as soon as that's done, I, I've made some inquiries and 
have begun looking for other things. And, and in my head, I'm thinking, boy, I really hope this guy gets out of here because I really, I'm, I'm yeah. you know, but I'm trying, yeah. you know, so like I'm trying to not be overly worried, but uh, yeah, so this, this guy is, uh, his name's John uh, and he's, uh, I think he might be crazy. So that's, I, I just want to share that with you and uh, get your take, Matt. I know it's not sports, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, don't, I don't know what to say. Uh, it sounds like you might be right. Um, you know, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd probably be a little alarmed myself. I mean, I have Archie, but for those of you who couldn't hear it, he was uh, sleeping <laughs> and making like some weird, like hiccupy noises during the yeah. recording just now. Yeah. So I'm not like putting all my eggs in the Archie defending me basket. Probably shouldn't, but you know, Hey, he might surprise you. I mean, I hope so. I'm going to start training him, but I don't know how, cause he's just so no. dopey. Like I think, right, he, right. Yes. It might be too late for that. Well, I mean, I just feel like if this guy like breaks in and is like crazy, all he has to do is say, Oh, Archie, do you want a treat? And then I'll be totally like, <laughs> I'll be screwed. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I thought that was a nice little uh, aside to wrap up on. Also, because okay. we were we were only at about the half hour mark, and, and right. I feel like this this way we could fill it out. So, uh, if, if you like made it. it this long, uh, you know, please let us know. Hey, rate us and review us on iTunes. It turns out you know that you can do that with our podcast too. I didn't. I figured since we weren't like official official, but you okay. a, you actually I can. Know that. Uh, okay, you know. Five is best, but one at least lets us know you listen this long to right. do it. So, right. you know, really anything is acceptable. Um, but anyway, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. I'll keep you posted on this whole crazy neighbor situation. <laughs> All right, yes. <laughs> and it's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.